Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. Hey, Mark, it's uh, great to be here, and it's a special show for a lot of reasons. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good fit. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking to Dan Lane, play-by-play voice for the NLP Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dan Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We are back after a summer hiatus. We both had things we had to take care of over the summer, so we mutually decided it was time for us to get a little break. We hit our 50th and 51st episodes at the end of last season with George McPhee, the general manager for the Las Vegas Something Nights, which has now been confirmed, and Clint Malarchuk, longtime advocate of Las Vegas hockey. So we ended the season on a bang, and and, uh, we're going to try and kick it off the same way here today. Let me bring in Chris. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I am super excited for this upcoming season. To me, this is the most exciting start of the year that I can remember in quite some time. Reason being twofold. One, uh, there's more teams than ever that I can remember who will have a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. And two, there are more young players that are going to hit the NHL at the beginning of the season, which is super, super talent than, than I can ever remember. So uh, two great reasons to look forward to the season. For sure, and we're going to be taking a look at the Atlantic Division today, and uh, Toronto has a good chance to bring three of those young players you're talking about up into the fold. I don't know what the early returns are on Matthews, and I'm sure he'll get plenty of camp time, and they, they're going to have a good look at him. Uh, with Team North America, but they also have Mitch Marner and Nylander coming up in the pipeline to, to uh, some may say, undersized, highly skilled, uh, great skating forwards that you know, if they don't make the team out of camp this year, um, I, w- I would be disappointed. I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's safe to say Marner had his year in, his year off and he should be pushing to make the roster this year. Nylander, I believe, was the number eight overall pick two years ago, and he, he should he should be ready to, to knock on the door and, and fight for a spot coming out of camp. So they could have three young young uh, studs breaking the lineup. Um, where else? It's just stay in the Atlantic. I know I know Buffalo up and coming. They've got a ton of young talent. What else should we keep our eye on as far as young guns go coming into the Atlantic? Well, the, the Red Wings have a whole plethora of guys, especially at the forward position, but they're deep at forward. Uh, another guy to watch out for is Anthony Mantha. Uh, at, at some point, uh, 
uh, this season. So uh, that's uh, that's another name I would I would give you out there in terms of them. But uh, in terms of Anderson, uh, excuse me, Nylander, I uh, I believe he has he could be sent to the HL. So that gives him a little bit of flexibility. That kind of situation of after the nine games, if he's not on the roster, you have to send him back to junior kind of thing. Right. Warner, I think it's all going to be uh, based on his his if he can handle the size and the physicality. Uh, and Matthews, I'd be shocked if he didn't make the team. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be an, uh, an interesting season, and there's some com- commonality uh, of some of the teams in the Atlantic, which we'll break down with Mr. Andrew Forbes, who's our second guest uh, tonight to help us break down the the Atlantic Division and uh, maybe uh, we'll touch a little World Cup because I believe he's over there in Toronto at the World Cup. Yeah, as long as we don't talk about how dominant Canada Canada looks and how horrible Team USA looks, uh, we could talk some World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> not I agree. And then we have Dana Lane. Yeah, Dana yeah. Lane kicking off the show. Do we not? Yes, we do. We're gonna. We got some some news to break. Dana, um, I'll wait till he's here. But uh, we got some real exciting news that Dana wa- wants to share with everybody, especially our Las Vegas our Las Vegas crowd here. So that's going to be that's going to be real exciting, and then he will give us odds and futures on the Atlantic Division before we jump in with Andrew. So I think we're going to have a real good show, buddy. Uh, I agree. I'm like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. We had the summer off to recharge, though. I, if I you can do some self promotion, uh, if you missed the summer, the two summer shows with Clint Malarchuk and George McPhee, uh, those two are. Must listen. They're for only about forty-five minutes each, and uh, you know George McPhee, great breakdown of where the biggest team is heading. And for you Islander fans out there, we spent about three minutes going over the Islanders' young guns, uh, and uh, it's worth a listen to the least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Go back and listen to those two. And then uh, listen to this one, give you a little feeling of continuity as, as we go forward. I wanted to do a little housekeeping of where you can find Chris. You can always find him at the NL King on Twitter. Uh, he writes uh, National Hockey League coverage for Last Word on Sports. Uh, for the guys that follow us due to Chris's New York Islanders coverage with the hockey writers, uh, that's no longer going to going to happen. Chris has left the hockey writers. Dot com. Our podcast is still uh, associated with thehockeywriters.com on their podcast page. So if you're over there, uh, you won't find Chris's personal content for the Islanders, but click on their podcast tab. They got a bunch of good shows on there, including our own, so check them out. Chris did, uh, in, in very short order, land another outlet for his writing. Chris, why don't you share a little bit about where they can find you over there? Sure, I'm with Fan Sided now, uh, Eyes on Isles. So you can, the website's eyesonisles.com. The, uh, the Twitter handle is at Isles on Isles, I, Eyes on Isles FS. My debut article uh, appeared this weekend about the three big question marks coming into training camp for the Islanders. So check uh, my stuff out there. I'll be writing for them once a week. Very uh, thrilled to be joining the Fan Sided team. And if I could give a quick shout-out, uh, I have last word on sports. I have two brand-new articles. Well, I have one brand-new article up. Uh, maybe we could touch base about this, Mark, at the end of the show. Vegas uh, ready to pounce on NHL free agency. And tomorrow morning, uh, Tuesday the 20th, dropping at 9 a.m. Eastern time, Puck Drop Preview, 
yours truly did the season preview for those New York Rangers. What? And I was very, I was very fair. I was not a jerk. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a big article. It's a, it's like a double article, fifteen hundred words. So, uh, uh, Ranger fans, uh, it's 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 all there. Last season, this off season, breaking down the team, players to watch, players on the rise, predictions, the whole nine yards. So. I hope everyone will check that out. Well, we'll have to check. We'll have to get more into what you think uh, when we do our Metro breakdown. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and bring in Dana Lane. After this short break, we'll be right back. And now we're back from the break. I want to welcome in good friend of the show and a uh, friend of mine as well. Now that we've gotten to know each other a little bit, we got to know each other after the George McPhee press conference back in June, I believe it was, July, sometime, or probably July, right? Yeah, I think um, yeah, it seems like June, seems like that, uh, at the end of June, something like that. Somewhere in there. Anyway, uh, we, here's Dana Lane, Dana Lane Sports. Uh Welcome back to the show. We're going to talk a little bit about Atlantic Division hockey and and uh, what the books think and what Dana thinks as we go forward into the into the season here. But first of all, I wanted to congratulate Dana and get out there for those of you in town that don't know yet. UNLV Rebel Hockey, and I'd like a little bit little bit of background on how this came to be. Dana Dana just hooked up and and scored the play by play gig with uh, the UNLV Rebel Hockey team. So congratulations, sir. How did that come about? Uh, hanging out at the rink, and I think nobody else would do it. So I think that that's, <laughs> that's basically how I got the job. I, yeah, I was um, I was very fortunate. I, I filled in one day for uh, Brian Blessing, who does Sportsbook Radio here in town. For sure. And uh, on that day, we had uh, Zee Khan, who was the general manager of UNLV. Uh, UNLV. We had uh, Nick Raboni, and uh, Coach Greener was in, uh, two coaches for UNLV hockey. So we got to know each other then as well. Um, and then, you know, just kind of hanging out at the rink and talking to the guys. Never really expected anything. I just wanted to be part of hockey. And, you know, one day they, uh, they had sent me a, a text asking me if I wanted to do it. And of course I didn't hesitate one second. Of course I would love to do it. So, um, got two games under my belt right now. <laughs> All career. Yeah. Career but, uh, two gamer. Yeah. Yeah. It's extreme. It, it's, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable than I thought it would be because, the NHL, you know, obviously hockey is very difficult to do play-by-play for, but, um, you know, the guys have been great and very supportive, and uh, so we'll, we'll hopefully get better game after game. Well, I got I got to tell you, honestly, I listened to the, the end of the first period and the second period on Saturday night. The Rebels dropped a 10 spot on, on our friends down in San Diego yeah. State. Felt good. And I got to say, solid, solid work, sir, solid work. You'd never tell that that you only have two games career doing hockey play by play, and like you said, <clears throat> me and Chris were talking off the air. It's a difficult, you know. Baseball is a good, nice, easy icebreaker yeah. if you want to. You know, there's plenty of time to to work to where you want to go. But hockey, being the game that it is, coming in coming in cold and, and jumping in for play by play is not an easy task. And you <laughs> you tackled it quite well, sir. Tackled it quite well. I, I know you'll just keep getting better at it. Talk a little bit about. Well, uh, 
about UNLV hockey. Uh, we did open the season our homestand, two wins, uh, one three-two overtime thriller on Friday night, and then one pretty. I think it was ten-three final. I had to I had to go and watch. Yes, I had to go and watch the World Cup after uh, after they had. What did they have after after two? I think it was eight or nine to two. That was enough for me. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Final score was uh, ten to three, and um, you know it, it was a good bounce back effort for the Rebels because, as you know, in Game One they were down two nothing to the Aztecs, a team that you know they have respect for, but certainly a team that they should handle on paper. And uh, luckily, came back for a three two OT win in Game One. But um, yeah, it were. You know, you're still trying to put the pieces together because they lost a lot of scoring off of the uh, off of last year's team. They lost four of the top five top scores off that team, who accounted for over 162 points. And um, you know, you're just kind of trying to find the right line combinations. And you know, thankfully, you have uh, you have a, a a veteran senior goaltender coming back and uh, two kids behind him. We had uh, Edison uh, score or Edison start for. UNLV the other night, who was a you know freshman from Sweden, never started the game and looked solid against San Diego State. So, you know, it's exciting because the future is extremely bright for UNLV hockey, and and of course uh, a big weekend this weekend in Utah, and hopefully it all culminates uh, with a fantastic showing at the T-Mobile Arena uh, October 9th against Arizona State. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that before we get to the Atlantic Division. They are the the good folks at T-Mobile have uh, let the UNLV Hockey Club club host Arizona State, which Z has a former affiliation with. So that's a, a good game to get over at mm-hmm. the T-Mobile. And and as you said during the broadcast there Saturday night, all the all the proceeds from that game go right into the UNLV hockey coffers. So if you guys are in town, you're not doing anything, and even if you are doing something, what's the date again on that, Dana? Uh, it's October 9th, and in fact, it's you know part of a huge hockey weekend here because on the 7th is the first exhibition game with the Kings and the Stars, and the 8th is the Kings and the Avalanche, and then the 9th it uh, culminates with a nice 12 o'clock start against ASU and T-Mobile, so three games in three days at, at uh uh, in uh, in Las Vegas, I guess I'm gonna just have to be at all three. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, one of the games would if you went to one of the games, you would have to miss the uh, uh, UNLV game against Arizona State up to, on the seventh uh, because somehow they're scheduled at the same time. But uh, unfortunately for me, I don't have a choice. So we're gonna go for the ASU game on the seventh, and I'll, I'll go home and watch Dallas and the Kings on the DVR when I get done. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. So let's jump out. Let's jump out and uh, take a look at the Atlantic Division here. We've got about ten-ish uh, minutes left before we got to let you go. And uh, for, first of all, if I said to average hockey fan, who who won the Atlantic last year? And mo- I, I've had people already tell me, "Oh, Tampa Bay." Eh. Florida, Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers. Hundred and three points. Do they have a shot to? Uh, to come back and repeat in that division as champs, considering how much retooling they've done on their defensive side? Yeah, they certainly have. I think they're going to take a step back, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I, you know, you have another year uh, from, you have another year on Luongo, and of course he played a, a lot of minutes last year. Uh, defensively, they were really good in front of him. Uh, but, you know, he's at 37 years old, and you know, he spent 16 years in the league, and let's 
you know, thankfully, he's, you know, I think James Reimer's going to play a huge part this year. I think he's going to play uh, a big role in giving Luongo some rest. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. I'm looking at that 87 to 90 point range in the upcoming season. And, um, you know, 103 points last year, had a first round loss to the Islanders, might get them fired up to start the season. But I, there's something mi- missing in the mix there. And I can't really put my finger on it when I'm watching them. I expected them to go a lot deeper into the playoffs. And, you know, they they got beat by another team. I just can't really put my finger on as well. So um, I expect uh, Gerard Gallant's team, and, of course, you know, Tom Rowe's going to be a first, first year in Florida, and there's a lot of upheaval in the front office. And they're going to, you know, they're looking at analytics quite quite heavily. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that... You know, have a, I, I use the word lazy sometimes if a team is too heavy on analytics because, you know, to me, I, I'd rather have a guy that, you know, you uh, look at a guy like Dale Talon that, you know, got quote-unquote uh, promoted. But, you know, to me, you know, his eyes are uh, or more valuable than any number that I can see on a piece of paper. Right, right, for sure. Um, that's kind of what George McPhee said. And it was either on your old podcast or I think he reiterated the same feeling to us that when we asked him about the analytics or the eye test, he said both are clubs in the bag. So uh, you don't want to go too oh, heavy. Right. You don't want to go too heavy either way. And I, I agree with George on that. Who do you who do you like to come out of the Atlantic headed into the playoffs? And who do the books like? Uh, well, you know, for me, I mean, I love Tampa Bay, and not only do I love Tampa Bay, I mean, I I like them to go quite deep. I mean. Um, you can point to every team in that division and point to some flaws that, that they all have. And Tampa Bay seems to be the one that you can't. And, and we still don't know what we're going to get out of Andre Vasilevsky. We, we know what we saw last year in the playoffs, but, you know, we've always said, you know, it's a lot, it's a whole different ball game when you have to do it over a long, long period of time. And how do you get up on a nightly basis for teams that, you know, maybe are under 500 or right at 500. It's very easy to get up for teams that are, you know, playoff teams on a nightly basis, but most likely he'll be, you know, facing teams that are at or or, or below 500 if, if, you know, Ben Bishop stays healthy. So, but boy, I'll tell you, defensively, in front of those two guys, um, between Victor Hedman and Anton Strawman, you know, two guys that are hovering right around 200 pounds, and then you got the the second pairing uh, with, with Jason Garrison and uh, and Andre uh, uh, Spicer, who's you know six seven and is two twenty. I mean, you got you have some heavy heavy defensemen, and I, I just think in front of both of those guys who are supposedly you know, I mean, Vasilevsky we don't know yet, but definitely on Bishop, a world class goaltender, and you have world class defensemen. To me, that's a that's a tough combination to beat. I agree 100%. What I like about those defensemen, not only not only are they big and they can hit and they have a little mean streak, all of them can skate, all of them can push the puck up, get it out of their own zone up to the forwards. They've all they've all grown in that part of their game in the last year, two years. And I I think I mean, you could say Tampa Bay won the offseason and didn't bring anybody in with the way they locked up you oh, know, right. almost yeah, almost everybody they had to lock up. I think I'm not sure if Kucherov got done, but uh, everybody else. The only thing they didn't get they accomplished. Sign Kucherov and they still have to sign 
threw up in Estero. Okay, but but uh, right. the other thing they didn't get done is there was rumors that uh, Bishop was going to be out, uh, and that didn't materialize. But I think I think you're not going to put one over on on Stevie Y there, right? He he's got he's got his idea of what he's going to get back for him, and if he doesn't, he'll let him go to free agency, and that'll give Las uh, Vegas, gonna... that'll give us Las Vegas two weeks to talk to him too. So. You go ahead, hang on no, to him no, for the rest good. of the year, and uh, we'll just take him off your hands at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, even going back to the the Druin decision, which you know he kind of held the cards on that. Obviously, he didn't have to get rid of him. Uh, but you know, he, this is a team. Let's not forget that took the defensive the defending Stanley Cup champions to seven games. So I mean, they're right there. And I just think you know, even if you know, if Garrison can get a little bit more physical. Um, you know, both Hedman and Strowman, you know, you get a tremendous amount of minutes out of them. And I, I just think you build a team from the goaltender out. Uh, and I can't see a team, and not only in that division, but it's very difficult in that conference uh, to, to look for a def- defensive core in goaltending that's as impressive as Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Now, real, real quick, because we got to get to our other guest here. If you got, obviously, Montreal. Uh, Radulov coming in back from the KHL as a wild card. Shea Weber and uh, that whole that whole situation. That's I don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe short term, but but long term I don't like it. Price is health so far in the in the World Cup. He looks okay. Obviously they're going to jump back into a playoff spot if Price is healthy, but there's still question marks. Um, if if you're going to look from those top four, you've got Florida, Tampa, Detroit, and Boston from last year. Who falls out? And Boston lost on the tiebreaker to Detroit. So is this the year Detroit finally misses the playoffs with Montreal coming back in? And I like Florida and Tampa Bay at the top of that division. Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, I think Boston. I think Boston's going to make a jump. I, I think they're better than they. You know, even if they were a 500 team in that last month of the season they would have been in the playoffs i just i the 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 air went out of that team and this is a not only that this is a big year for claude julian as well because if they're hovering around 500 come all-star break i can see sweeney saying you know what you gave us nine years you won a cup for us you brought us to another uh we appreciate your efforts but we're gonna have to let you go i mean julian's been close to the edge of the cliff like three times and in right. his career in Boston, and I just think, uh, and I and maybe it's me getting, you know, kind of foreshadowing and saying, "Geez, wouldn't Julian be awesome in Vegas?" It's an interesting dynamic for me because, as a former Bruin fan, you know, part of me is saying, "Geez, I'd really like to have Julian uh, in Vegas," but the other part of me, obviously, is, is hoping Boston has a pretty good season. But I think Detroit's going to be around where they were last year. Right? I think Jeff Blaschel's team. Certainly, to me, has to prove that they're going to be uh, uh, defensively consistent on a night in, night out basis. Uh, they have to get uh, better scoring. I mean, you can't be twenty third in the league, as as Anaheim found out, and expect to go deep into the playoffs. And you know, of course, they have to to replace uh, Pavel Datsuk. And you know, uh, they they seem to refuse to rebuild there. They want to put band aids all over the place, and that gets them close. I think maybe the best thing that, that happened to Detroit is maybe not make the playoffs and retool and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, turn the gravel over a little bit on that organization so they can go on another long run. 
For sure. Well, Dan, I got to let you go, man. Thanks for thanks for coming in. Maybe you come back next week if you have time and give me a little quick sure. segment on the. Uh, I think we're doing the Central next week. Is that right, Chris? That is correct. I'm sorry we didn't get to you, but I we got to uh, we got to let Dana go and get Andrew on the phone. So we're going to wrap this show, this up short. And Dana, we'll talk to you next week, man. Thank you for coming in and giving us your expertise and congratulations on the hockey gig, man, over at UNLV. Well, I, I appreciate your time, and, and nothing but the best of both of you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. And we're back. Thanks, Dana, for coming on and giving us your insight. And also, once again, congrats on the UNLV hockey play-by-play. We, we're really proud of you. Uh, you helped us out from day one, and, and now uh, it's our duty to support you, sir, and what you're doing over there at UNLV. If you guys want to find UNLV Hockey, you can find them on Twitter, at UNLV Hockey. And Dana has his new hockey-oriented Twitter handle, too, at Dana Lane Sports NHL. And you can always find him on his old Twitter page for his sports handicapping expertise, at Dana Lane Sports. But now we'd like to welcome in Andrew Forbes of the Hockey Writers. He's the NHL fantasy editor and, coincidentally enough, another play-by-play guy from the London Knights. Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, as always. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? So far, we're rocking and rolling. Chris, feeling good? I'm doing, we're doing good. I got a whole bunch of questions for Andrew. Yeah, I kind of hogged up most of the first section there going with Dana. So uh, why don't we kick off with a little bit of World Cup talk. I know you're right there in Toronto. Aside from how great Canada opened up and how terrible Team USA played in their first game, uh, what's what struck out at you the most as we've, we've gone through the first four or five games now? Well, I mean, one of the major things you have to look at is, is the way that Team Europe's been able to come together so well, so quickly, um, and really perform. Um, you know, I mean, it's a best-on-best best tournament, so you expect good stuff from every team. But for, for guys from, you know, eight different countries to come together the way they have and and uh, play the way they have, it's it's been fun to watch. Um and even even head coach uh, Ralph Kruger was talking earlier today about just the uh, the ability for them to to buy in so quickly. And he said, you know, it's not the fact that they bought in, but how, how quickly they were able to do it. That he hasn't seen that in his 25 years of coaching. So, I mean, that's um, that's a testament to to what these players are able to do. And a lot of them are coming from you know Olympic trials too. So some of them have played you know, more than 10 games in two weeks already. And, and that's not even headed into the, the regular season yet. So um, that that's huge for me. And, and even, you know, Team North America, these guys, yeah, we all knew they were going to be exciting. Um, we knew they were going to have the offensive firepower. We didn't know what kind of, what to expect from maybe the back end and, and, and even the goaltending. I mean, he, you know, Matt Murray did win a Stanley Cup, but, I mean, it's such a small sample size that we didn't really know how to how to you know take him going into this tournament. Uh, you know, again, best on best, and this is this is something that he's he's stood up for so far, and and now up one nothing against the Russians so far. You know, we're almost eight minutes into the game, and he's he's had a, a few chances against them, so they've been fun to watch as well. Yeah, one thing I'll go back to on Team Europe, you got to uh, give give your tip of the hat to. Uh, Andre Kopitar's leadership as the captain of that squad coming at, coming into the Sochi Olympics, leading uh, Slovenia to 
a couple of round one wins and then <clears throat> a very competitive uh, elimination round um, and then come back and captain a team, like you said, a, a mismatch of eight different countries and getting them to blend and gel well when they were uh, – all I hear is the unheralded Europeans against the highly touted Americans. And um, to put it, that's got to have some on-ice on ice leadership and uh, don't look any farther than my boy Andre Kopitar there. And then again, like you said – Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say I had a chance to talk with uh, Kopitar earlier as well, and and just uh, you know, one thing that was asked of him was whether they're looking ahead to you know maybe the next World Cup and and whether they get another Team Europe into the World Cup. And cause, I mean, essentially, you're looking at a trial run here with with Team North America and Team Europe. And and uh, the one thing that he said that I, I you know you got to compliment him for is is uh, he's not what, Team Europe is not looking ahead to that they, what they want to look ahead to is their next game they want to focus on what they can do at this tournament you know show the world that maybe they do you know when you put eight countries together in the dressing room maybe you can get you know quality hockey out of them and and uh, you know again a testament to his leadership and his character is he's he's been able to help pull this team together and, and get them to buy in so quickly yeah, I'm not surprised that would be his answer. Is we're not worried about any other World Cup. We're not. We're we're, we're worried about tomorrow. I'm not surprised that that would be his answer to that question. Um, Chris, I'm gonna let you finally get in here and get a word in edgewise. I've been uh, running my mouth for about half an hour now. Uh, we jump off into the Atlantic Division. Uh, Chris, what say you? You got it. You got it. Okay. So Andrew. Most people, in looking at the division, they're going to talk Tampa and Florida. Montreal is the, the cream of the crop, if you will. And to me, the rest of the division, Toronto, Ottawa, Buffalo, Boston, Detroit, there's a common theme with these teams in terms of worry, worry, worry areas, and that's the blue line. Which team are you least worried about in terms of their blue line, and which team are you most worried about? At least, what about, are we talking about just strictly this season, or, or down the, you know, in in the future? Oh, just 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 strictly the season in uh, performance in terms of the defensive corps. I'd be most worried about Boston, um, and and I say that because you know they lost. I, I still I still can't get over them giving up on Dougie Hamilton. Um, you know, they've got Big Z, but he's he's good for maybe 60, 65 games. And then they, they let Seidenberg walk. And now they're a very, very inexperienced blue line with a lot of young guys that, you know, you know they've got the talent, but are they there yet? And I don't think they are. They tend to say that, you know, defensemen um, kind of peak around the age of 28 to, to you know, 30. So... I, I think they're, they're far too inexperienced, and and I said it last year with with Tukaras. When you fire forty shots at him, you're going to see a different Tukaras than we're used to, and I, I think he's going to be vulnerable to that again this season. I think you're going to see forty to fifty shots against them, um, you know, at least every other game. So um, they'd be they'd be the one I'm worried about the most when it comes to the back end. And which team would you be of those other teams? the least worried about or are you worried about all of them um i think buffalo's headed in the right direction um detroit i think they're 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 jumbled right now they don't know they don't have maybe the same character that they're they're so used to so that's going to be something to watch for as well 
Um, you know, they don't have the big name defensemen. They have a bunch of average defensemen. Um, Toronto, I'm not too worried about. I think, again, this is a team that they're, they're in a rebuild. And everyone knows they're in a rebuild. And, yes, Austin Matthews does a lot for that club and, and really changes the perspective of that club. But, um, you know, they've... And, that, and that's sort of why I asked you the question earlier was, you know, you look two, three years down the road and this team's going to be good. Um, so I'm not too worried about them. I would say um, I'm not worried about Buffalo. I'm most worried about uh, Detroit and Boston probably. Now in the first segment, Mark I, uh, used the right term in my mind to describe this guy, uh, the Canadians, Alexander Ruddle. Radulov, yeah. sorry. How, in your mind, Andrew, how big of a wild card is he? Oh, he's... You know, from what I've heard, his, his, uh, you know, his attitude has changed a lot since he, he last left Nashville. Um, but, I mean, this is a guy who, who came back to Nashville for the playoffs and then left again and, and, and sort of left them high and dry. And, you know, good on Montreal for taking the risk on him because he is a high-risk, high-reward type of player. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there's all saw with Nishushkin signing over in the KHL reportedly today um, that, you know, at any point they can just up and leave. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's a high-reward player. So if you were, you're willing to take that risk, you're willing to pay the money, you're gonna get you're gonna get your money's worth with him. He can he can put the puck in the net. He's a highly skilled player and he plays with passion. And that's a, that, that's the way he's always been. It's come off a little bit weird um, at times. The way he he gets a little too passionate, um, you know, some games. But uh, he's a guy that I would definitely watch for um, with Montreal and not the team that needed scoring. I mean, for the last two years they've relied com- completely on uh, Carey Price and. And, uh, you know, we saw last year when Carey Price went down, so did the team. So um, to add a guy like that who can, you know, give you some offensive power as well, uh, it's going to be huge for Montreal uh, this season. One thing I will ju- I will jump in and oh. say about Raduloff, I was looking him up today, and he was from 2012 to 2016, when you know, 2012 when he went, went back over there again, um, he was first or second in scoring in the KHL. I believe last. Mm-hmm. I believe what I saw last year was he led the league in scoring again, 2015-16 campaign. What, what I don't. This makes me question the, the Subban Weber thing because the whole thing with, with getting Subban out of there was fixing the locker room. I mean, you don't trade trade a Norris Trophy defenseman because, um, you know, every day they don't go on the market. But it was always the off the ice, the locker room. There's no chemistry, and you're bringing a guy like Radulov who's in in a playoff game, and then he's out at a club in Phoenix at five o'clock in the morning, breaking curfew, and the club has to suspend him in Kasitsin for for the next playoff game. Um, unless he has matured, as you say, Andrew, I don't see that flying, <laughs> especially in Montreal. Um, where you, you know you better come with a team first, community second, yourself like twelfth attitude, or it's, it's just not going to work there. Um, so the, well, I, you know I what think, I mean? Yeah, and I think in large part that's why I say like they 
you know, Montreal will have to have done their research for them to bring him on board because, as you mentioned, they wouldn't trade away Subban just to go out and get another, you know, another cancer for the dressing room. Right. That's um, my concern. So, I, yeah, and I, and I think there, there were a lot of reports coming out of, you know, Russian media saying, you know, he, he, he's matured and, um, you know, what he, what he showed early on in his career wasn't exactly, um, you know, bad. It was just, it was, he played with a lot of passion and he wore, he wore his emotions on his sleeve and, and sometimes that became overbearing for, for teammates. So I, I think Montreal's probably looked, looked into this. Um, and I wouldn't doubt it if they've, they've done their background, uh, check on this guy before bringing him over. For sure. If, I mean, if you, I mean, you don't really have to look any farther than Ovechkin to find a parallel in some guy who came over with a on his sleeve passion that rubbed people the wrong way, and then went through a little growth and a little maturity, and and now we come out on the other side. And and I mean, there, you can't say those things about Ovechkin anymore. I think he's matured into into quite a quite a fine human being, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, again, I was just going to say, like, I think part of it too is is depending on who your coach is. I mean, look at the coaches that Ovi's had, and and that's you know they they sort of helped him develop and helped him grow uh, into the captain that he is now. Right. And uh, I think that's where you're going to want to watch in Montreal is carrying the type of guy who can who can help Radulov grow at, uh, at the NHL level rather than you know see him go off to the KHL once again. And I think that's why they signed him to a one-year deal, is to see what they can get from him. And, you know, you got to earn your stay here now. All right, Chris, I, 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 I give. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, so, Andrew, you mentioned before about the Maple Leafs, and let's not forget, you know, they're still in a rebuild. But given that premise, what would you define as this year as a successful season? <clears throat> well, uh, you know, I, I don't. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, this is a team that I think will be probably, you know, a nine ten in the East. Uh, I really do. I, I think they've got the system down pat now. Um, they know what Babcock wants from them, and, and they've got that. To, you're going to see some of the young guys starting to come up, and and that's where their talent is. Um, so I think a successful su- successful season. Uh, will be to fall out of that top top ten pick um, uh, area, and and you're going to see them sitting at nine and ten, maybe eight eight points out of the playoffs this year. Um, but I believe in 2017 and 18, you'll see them as a playoff team again. Now, to me, one of the interesting guys in this division is Robin Leonard, and I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people are going to pick up like. <laughs> want to pick Buffalo as a, as a sleeper team in this division. And Leonard is, you know, last year you look at his numbers, they were great. The problem is he's been injury-prone with different kinds of injuries, and the Sabres' backup is Andres Nielsen, who's bounced around a bit, uh, which is he's at best a backup, at best. How, how concerning is Leonard in terms of uh, staying healthy? You think, Andrew? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's I have I have Buffalo as one of my sleeper picks as well. Um, I think they did a lot in the off season to to uh, you know bring in the 
the the holes that fill in the holes that they needed. And uh, you know, here's the thing: Laner has the ability to be a starting goaltender. A large part of his inability to become that has been uh, how injury prone he is. Um, and, and going with a shameless little plug here, um, with my I did a, a fantasy season outlook for Buffalo. Um, and my breakout candidate is Robin Lanner. Um, because I, I do believe that, you know, if he can stay healthy, he has the ability to um, to really succeed. And, and I think Buffalo can be a good spot for him. Um, you know, if you, if you look at his, his average, uh, like his uh, career numbers, you know, a 280 goals against and a 916 save percentage. Now, it's not outstanding, but it's not terrible. And, um, you know, if you can put a solid group in front of him I, and, and he can stay healthy, I don't see him being, you know, I think he's, he's going to be a good player. Now, you mentioned it. The liability is in who they have to back him up. And there was ample opportunity ample opportunity for them to go out and find a backup this season and, or this offseason, and they haven't yet. Um, so can Nielsen maybe take on 15, 20 games? Sure. But, you know, if Laner does get injured, that's going to be, I think, Buffalo's downfall is, is where do they go out and get a goaltender to replace him. Before I kick you over to Mark, if I told you today, Andrew, that Leonard uh, is going to start 60 games, do you have them in the top three of the Atlantic? Do I have Buffalo in the top three of the Atlantic? Yeah, if I told you Leonard is going to play, be able to start 60 games this year. I would I would have him as a wild card. Um, okay. I, again, I I think he's 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 a guy that can develop. Now, I mean, he's got such a small sample size because he has been injured so often. Um, but I think he's a guy that will get them there in the next couple of years. I just think that this year they're gonna they're gonna slide in at the uh, seven or eight, and. Uh, you know, again, he's a guy that wears his, his emotions on his sleeve. And we saw last year when he took his helmet off and he was yelling at the refs and, and yelling at, at opposition. Like, this is a guy that wants to win. And, uh, you know, I think this is a season for them to grow. And I think next season they're going to they're gonna impress a lot of people. Buffalo's, Buffalo's going to be a good team to watch. And, you know, give another two, three years and, and the Buffalo-Toronto rivalry is going to grow a lot quicker than people think. No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. With uh, going back to Toronto a little bit, and and with with Anaheim up against the uh, expansion draft, even though it's you know a year away, and moving Anderson is is is. Do you think he's man? I, I know everybody liked it when when Bernier uh, came up there, but obviously for a lot of different reasons. Uh, defense in front of him. Uh, lost his confidence a little bit. Um, it, I think Anderson has a different, maybe a different makeup than Bernier does. Um, what do you think of that deal and and turning the page in goal to bring in a, a Freddie Anderson? I like it. Um, you know what? Bernier was never going to be part of the rebuild. As much as he wanted to be part of the rebuild, he wanted to stay in Toronto. Um it just it wasn't something that was going to work for the team and you mentioned it he lost his confidence and and sometimes what you need is is a place to start fresh and um you know anderson 
prove that he has the ability to start, you know, 50, 60 games and put up Vesna-type numbers. I agree. And, yeah, he had a he, he had a better quality team in front of him in Anaheim, but, you know, give this team some time, and that's why they signed him to a five-year deal. That's why they signed Babcock to an eight, eight-year deal is because, you know, this is, this is a team that knows that their best is yet to come. Um, so... The one thing that scares me a little bit with Anderson is, is again, he's a he's a guy that had some injury trouble over the last uh, last couple seasons. Um, but you know, again, he's got a different makeup than Bernie. He's got the ability to, to you know, see the puck a lot better, in, in my opinion. And uh, you know, I think he's going to be fun to watch with this uh, with this team as it as it gets younger and as it grows uh, with with the guys that are, are coming up through the system. Speaking of those guys coming up through the system, are we going to get to see Nylander, Marner, and Matthews all wearing the the Maple Leaf sweater to start the season? I think I think you'll see them all to start the season. Um, the one guy that I'm ju- I just don't know what they're going to do with is is Marner, and uh, you know, as much as he is going to earn his ice time, um, you know, this is. And I've talked about this with a lot of people, and this is where I think that uh, they need to look at the rules again. Is Marner's not going to do anything? He's not going to learn anything going back to the OHL, right? Um, un- the unfortunate thing is, if the Leafs don't keep him, he has to go back to junior, right? And he doesn't get to get to play in the AHL, um, and, and and that's where they need to kind of revamp it because, you know, maybe they're looking to help with the development of of these young guys, but. You're wasting a year of Marner's eligibility by his growth. Well, not eligibility, but you're, growth. you're wasting a year of his growth. Yeah, by sending him back down to the, to London. Right. And as much as I'd love to see him in London, um, <laughs> you know, give this guy, give this kid a chance to play against uh, play against the men and, and and try himself out at at the Marley level, um, and then and then you know you have the opportunity to call him up if you need him, but. You know, there's there's a guy who believes that Marner. What they'll do with Marner is, you know, send him out a few games, um, have him with the team, keep him there, and then send him off to the World Juniors at Christmas time, and then bring him back, and you know, have him for the rest of the year. That's what the thought is. Um, I don't know how realistic that that is. I don't like that. Uh, you got to get. No, it, he's it, not the, He's not a kid you want playing. You know, third line, fourth line minutes, and and maybe in this press box for a couple games a week, maybe a third. You know, that's not that's putting him on a third line type minutes um, doesn't do anything for him. What? Yeah, you, know, you mentioned redoing the rules. What? Uh, just a just a thought I had off the top of my head while you were while you were saying that if they don't want to let him go to the A, uh, we've seen kids go to Europe and get a year in in Europe playing uh, in the Swedish league. Uh, hello, well, Austin. He could. hello, Austin. Is that, is that a viable yeah. option, do you think? I would think it would be a viable option. Um, now, you got to look at the Toronto management and, and are, would they be willing to do that. Um, you've got a guy like Mark Hunter who, you know, obviously wants to look out for the betterment of Toronto, but, I mean, he also part owns London. Right. So all the money. I mean, there's, there's a little conflict there, in, in my right. opinion. But I agree. Again, like there's there's no reason why you can't revamp the rules at some point and say like these kids, if the team is willing to send them to the HL, 
give them a chance in the AHL. How how else are they going to better develop? And that's for me, that's part of it. Like if you're sending him back to junior, he's going to learn just as much as if you keep him up and sit him in the press box, you know, once a week. Yeah, yeah. And for have sure. him play the rest of the time on the third line, and and it's not going to be much either way. I think it's a detriment to to his growth as a, as a player, but you know. That's, uh, I, I think that's a discussion that needs to be have, had with the league. That's you know, I can I, write I about think, it as much as I want, but yeah. until until they read it, <laughs> I think you know? you're you're hundred percent on. And and you know, his, historically, I mean, if you follow the Detroit Detroit model, they get their full junior time, they get three or four years uh, playing in the A, and then maybe you come up and get your cup of coffee, and then you get a spot. But players today, man. Uh, the off-season conditioning, they're playing year-round. Um, I think they get better, younger, and you have to address some, some, you know, this exact situation. There has to be a an exceptions clause where if, you know, all parties agree that this is a, a except, you know, maybe maybe each team gets one exception where the 19-year-old kid with a, with who played – you know, two full years in juniors can get assigned to the AHL team. Um, you know, something like that where you could get a, a one exception per team and they don't have to use it. Something, something needs to be done. I, mm-hmm. think, I think you hit the nail on the head, and that seems to me like it'd be a, wor- a workable solution all around. Yeah. I had a quick th- I had a quick thought, guys, in terms of uh, what you were talking about, Marner and this whole situation. And granted, hindsight's twenty twenty, and – also, in fairness, the Maple Leafs did not know they were going to wind up with Austin Matthews, but uh, how much better off would the Toronto have been if they had selected Noah Hannafin versus Mitch Marner, given the structure of their team right now? Hmm. Oh, I mean, uh, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back on it and say, you know, Hannafin would have been a great addition, but, you know, at the time, I think they were still... You know, you've got Riley, who who is going to be a leader on this team. I'd be I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a seat. Um, right. And no, he doesn't have the same size as Hannafin. Uh, I believe he's more mobile than Hannafin. Um, and, and you know, well, that would be something depends on what this. Oh. Well, yeah, and it depends entirely on what the structure of of you know Babcock and, and uh, Dubis and all that at the time was. And I think at the time, you know, bringing in Mark Hunter, and their thought was, you know, Mitch Marner is going to be an offensive threat, and, and that's what they need. They need to build around the core that they already had. And, and for years in Toronto, you know, they had Sundin with no wingers, and now they've got all the offensive talent, but you're waiting on some on some defensive structure as well. And, you know, I, I think you can't go wrong either way. Uh, the difference right. is that Hannafin is an NHL ready guy. Right. Well, let me take us let me take us oh. down let me take us down into South Florida real quick, just because I know you got to get you you got to get out of here any minute. Um, and we're spending you know we're turning into Maple Leaf Radio here, and I wanted to talk about the division champions a little bit. <coughs> they with uh, they went through quite a turnover on D. Mm-hmm. Um. What I, and I know Yandel came in. Uh, at the last part of the year, and they locked him up. I thought it was kind of an exorbitant deal, but you can't blame Yandel for signing it. But then with uh, Demers and Pissett coming in, how do how do you think this this decor up and down in Florida will compare 
with uh, Kulikov and Gubernson leaving, um, what does that do to their defense core? Well, I mean, it certainly hurts because that, that's two of your most physical guys there. But, you know, it gives it gives you a chance to really see and really push, you know, Ekblad and see what he's got and see what he's going to give you. Um, and like you like you mentioned, Gandal, Demers, like they did they did fill in some gaps. Um, again, the physicality is what I think what you're going to miss the most. But now you're getting a more mobile blue line. You're getting a, a mobile team um, that can compete for the division again. I think. Uh, and on top of all of that, you, you went out and, and got Reimer, who who can be a solid backup goaltender for for this team. So, you know, I don't think they're hurting because of the loss. Um, I don't. I didn't like the Gabranson deal personally. Uh, I thought, you know. They got Jared McCann back, who maybe maybe got a little bit too much hype because of the way he started the season. But uh, again, you know, it's 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 kind of a wait and it, wait and we'll see type of uh, type of off season for them. And uh, can they repeat as as division champions? I, I personally think they will. Um, but again, that depends on how well Tampa Bay is going to do. So, so that being said, and uh, and I'll get you out of here right after this. Give me your uh, your top four in order if you had to project out going into the season. You just said Florida one, Tampa Bay two. I assume, right? Yep, Florida one, Tampa two. Um, with a healthy Carey Price, I say Montreal three, and uh, I think Buffalo Ottawa fight for number four. You think Detroit takes a step back and misses the playoffs this year? I do. I think I think that streak comes to an end, and I I have Boston finishing last in the division. All right, that's that's tough. That's tough. You, I think Buffalo might be maybe a year behind the schedule. You 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 thinking they're going right now? I think they have to figure out what Evander Kane is going to do. Uh, he's well, there's a lot on his plate. There's a lot on their plate to deal with as far as that. And uh, I mean, if you can move a Oh, I lost my train of thought there. If you can move a locker room headache out and and do addition by subtraction, I mean that that's going to have to play itself out before I think they're settled on on their personnel and where they want to go. But uh, I like I like I like your first three for sure. I think I'm I'm right there with you on that, Chris. If we're gonna go uh, if we're gonna go for top four, who do you got? Oh boy, uh, I I would go Tampa one. Uh, I'm worried about the change in Florida. Also, they lost a lot of experience with Willie Mitchell and Brian Campbell as well, and I think that's an important part. Uh, but by default, I'm going to go Florida two. Uh, I'm going to pick Montreal. I try to find a team that could beat them out, and I couldn't. Uh, quite simply, I'm worried about all those other teams to certain degrees about their blue line, and I'm, I'm worried about Ottawa's goaltending. I already mentioned about Leonard and Nielsen. Um, so uh, I, I'm a, and even Detroit. So uh, I have Montreal 3, and I'll save my wild card predictions when we, uh, uh, when we do the uh, Metro show. There might not be a wild card coming out of this division in your mind. That's what you're telling me. Andrew, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes. You can find me over at the Hockey Writers. Uh, normally writing about fantasy now. Um, or you can stop by in London, send me a send me a quick tweet, and I'll uh, head out and talk some puck with you. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you, sir, for coming on. We really appreciate talking to you, as always, and we'll look forward to talking to you a little bit down down the road, sir. Always a pleasure, boys. All right, we'll let you go. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys. All right, we're back, and that was the way to kick off the 2016-17 National Hockey League season. That was a real good show, Chris. Just so, Mark, for the record, let's get your prediction down for the Atlantic. Just the top three, if you will. Let's save our wild card pick so when we – our last show on the preview shows will be the Metro, and at that point we can we can break down our wild card picks. But just for the top three for the Atlantic, in, in order, would be at? I think the two-time Eastern Conference final Tampa Bay Lightning take the division. I think Florida takes a step back with the – it's going to take a while – for that defense to gel um and with camp being what it is with some people there some people in toronto for the world cup i think it's not conducive to building that team chemistry especially on the back end where you really you really like to see a nice solid cohesive unit and and a defined role and i think those things have to be I, i'm sure they're penciled in in coach's mind but i think those things need to work themselves out in camp and and i don't know how disruptive this world cup is going to be to the camps I, I i agree with you to an extent on on willie mitchell but he didn't really play last year i know he he, he kept around the team and and i'm a big willie mitchell fan but um brian campbell veteran i think will be missed maybe more than people think so um i'm a i'm a i might say montreal if carrie price stays healthy all year jumps up into second place i know i just agreed with with andrew on a uh tampa florida montreal one two three but i'm gonna i'm gonna change it up i'm gonna say montreal with a healthy carrie price raduloff settles down shea weber and that shot helps their power play and he's a little bit more defensively responsible at least in the short term um i think i think that helps don't so, forget andrew don't forget about andrew shaw and uh they got Al sure Montoya. sure, sure. Back, back, had, uh, had, had to upgrade the backup i mean um no offense right. but they 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 finished one point ahead of Buffalo last year with it with uh, what they had in net. So you had to upgrade that. I think Raduloff can come in and get 70, 80 points, and I think Shea Weber helps the power play with a shot. Um, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Montreal in second, and I'm gonna say Florida Florida real close in third. And I think there's a drop off, so we'll get into the wild cards uh, more when we hit the the later later shows in our in our season preview series, but. Uh, Anyway, what else you got, Chris? Uh, and on that note, uh, next week we're going to go out west and we're going to do the central. And we got our, you know, we got like the four horsemen, you know, for these preview shows. That today was old, uh, old favorite with Andrew Forbes. <laughs> Again, you can find Andrew on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes F O R B E S. And next week we will bring back a good friend of the show, Mister Matt Fryer at Woo-woo. Big Tech's nineteen twenty. 1926 himself, who is very high on the Panthers, by the way. He told me, just to throw in for this episode, that he thought it would be neck and neck between them and Tampa for the division. So that was his uh, little prediction there. So, uh, And if we're, it sounds like we might have Dana Lane back next week as well to open the show. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully. Uh, that uh, we're good. At, at, yeah. 
and uh, looking forward to that that as well. The Central Division is, uh, you know, best still the best division in hockey. Yeah, I, I was just thinking real quick. I, I don't think I can disagree with you. Um, I guess we'll see when we get there. I guess we'll see when we get there. Chris, it's been yeah, too long. I think it has been. It, it's been too long. It's good to get back on the mic here, get uh, get the juices flowing, looking for looking for a real solid season this year. We got a lot of good guests lined up as we go through. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, look for us on SoundCloud and iTunes as always. Uh, Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word, no spaces. We, uh, you can find us on the Hockey Writers podcast page. If you get over there, make sure you look it up. Give us a click. Give us a play. We appreciate it. Leave a review for us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, and you, Chris links all his content at the NL King on Twitter. So for Chris, I'm Mark. Until next week, we're gone. 